0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash loss. That's plushcare.com slash loss. Hello, and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today's episode 126, and we're going to be interviewing Heather J. How are you doing today, Heather?
1: I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well. Um, excited to do this. How about you?
1: Yeah, very excited.
0: All right, mm-hmm. great. So you're telling this from a mother's point of view today. So I just figured I'd mention that because some of the listeners are typically uh, usually just hear the, some, the person speaking, talking about themselves.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: All right. And what was your daughter's name?
1: My daughter's name was Devin Ray.
0: Okay. It's a very pretty name.
1: Thank you. She was, named was after she
0: her... did, Was she named after anyone in particular?
1: Yeah, she was named after her daddy. Um, okay. his name is um Darren Ray, and uh Darren Johnson was a R- Reds player in the 60s, and so he okay. started it D-R-O-N. And so Darren, my husband is D-E-R-O-N, so she was D-E-V-O-N, Devin and
0: Darren Ray. Oh, very nice, very nice. So I guess tell us from the you know third person point of view, how was her childhood growing up?
1: Um I hate to assume what she would say, but I think it was a very good childhood. Um, you know, me and her father are still married. Um, she didn't have divorced parents that I know can be very traumatic for, for kids. Um, I, we, my husband and myself, um, chose for me to stay home to be a stay at home mom and raise her. Um, and all three of my, of our children, she has a, um, two brothers that are 20 and 21 now so I was home with them until I went back to work I'm a teacher and I went back to work when she was I didn't go back full time until she was a freshman in high school and my youngest was in fourth grade um we were extremely close we um
2: we did everything together.
1: Um, my kids are all athletes and we supported each other at everybody's game. My husband coached, um, most of all three of their, um, sports. Um, he could only coach one at a time, of course. So sometimes it was like sissy softball and then Hayden's football or, or something that would always rotate, but, um, he had a hand in coaching, all of her way through softball, um, all the way up to her senior year of high school. Um, I volunteered at her school every week. Um, we, she just had very involved parents, and um, I we weren't rich by any means, um, but we always had what we needed, and sometimes we got what we wanted.
0: That's a good way of putting it. So what was your life like as far as, you know, once your daughter was born? Or actually, what was your life like for you growing up?
1: Um, I had a good childhood. My parents were divorced, but I'm not one that I think really was um, disturbed. Like, I don't feel like it affected me in a negative way of of any means. Um, My parents both remarried. I have wonderful step parents. Um, my stepdad has been in my life since I was 16. And my stepmom has been in my life since I was five. Um, I lived with both of them um, on and off. I did play that card a little bit when I was mad at one, I'd move them with another, but um, they were both very good to me, very involved parents. And uh, I wouldn't, I had a good childhood, I, nothing really typical that I would have to complain about.
0: That's good. Don't get that a lot.
1: Yeah, yeah. They were very young when they had me, um, but they did a wonderful job. And um, given the circumstances, they they had they were only eighteen when they had me. They were still in high school, and they both became very successful people in their fields. And uh, they were great parents. That's
0: great. So I just noticed real quick, your shirt says Devin Ray I didn't notice that before.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: What's the shirt say?
1: Um, it says, loved ones are like bright sunflowers that never fade away over distance and time. And then um, her page that I made for her is remember her smile. So it's hashtag remember her smile. Um, Sissy loved sunflowers. And um, we actually had not this sunflower here, but that same saying, um, is on her headstone. Okay. With a sunflower, but it's, it's a full sunflower on her headstone.
0: That's amazing. That's beautiful. Thank you. So when did you first take notice of any type of change in your daughter?
1: Um, it was in early October, I believe the exact date was October 7th. Um, but it was a Friday in early October of 2020. Um she had been bit by a, pool, a pit bull and was on her way to the hospital when her um ex-boyfriend or her boyfriend her boyfriend um had called me and said that they were headed there, but with the coronavirus. Only one person was allowed to go at a time, so I couldn't go in, so I just waited by the phone, and he ended up calling me from inside and was on speakerphone, and I just knew that wasn't my daughter. The way she was speaking was horrible to the nurses. Um, She was very irate, and um, she had gone through a couple surgeries um, prior to that. Her freshman year, she shattered her fibula playing softball. Um, and had to have a plate and seven screws put in, and then her senior year, right before softball season began, um, sh- her, sh- her ovary twisted three times, and so she had to have it removed, so I had seen my daughter go through pain, and I had seen how she reacted, and the way she was reacting this time was just not my daughter, and so I asked right away what was going on. Um, I knew that something wasn't right, and and I wasn't going to be in denial about it. I asked that very day, um, if they had done something. And, um, of course there was denial from her and the boyfriend. Um, but, and then because of that, she was angry with me and didn't speak to me for a couple of weeks, spoke to the rest of the family, but, um, she was angry with myself. Um, and then I would, it was the week of, it was the week, uh, the week before Thanksgiving of 2020, uh, we were on a FaceTime call and I was able to call my, my son and my husband in and it was um, very obvious that something was wrong. And so then they had seen it firsthand Um, and so everybody was on board and we made, um, phone calls early December, well, really Thanksgiving weekend, but by early December, all of our extended family knew, um, we had contacted everyone to make sure that everybody was on board and, um, we wanted to make sure that we were there to help her, but not there to enable her. Yes. Uh, And so then, um. She was gone December 29th of 2020, so it was only just a short few months that uh, from the time I knew something was wrong until she was gone.
2: It must be difficult. I can't
0: even imagine.
1: It is. um, I sympathize with parents who have um, children that have died from this because I know how that feels. It's The most devastating thing that can happen to someone is losing their child. Um, But on the same token, I know people whose children are addicted to drugs, and I can't imagine what they go through waiting for that call, Um, just constantly waiting for the fear that you're going to get the call that your, your child's gone. And so I know while it's devastating to lose one, I know it's equally devastating to a parent um, whose child is using and just being fearful of that. of that. And I have a, a good friend um, of the family that lost her child as well um, two years before Sissy passed away. And um, she will tell you after so many, she was addicted for maybe 25 years on an uh, she her addiction began probably 25 years prior and um she would have spouts where she got clean but she would say that you know in some degree I had already lost my child um before she even was physically not here on earth and so I know that it's it's hard for all parents who are are dealing with a child that's got an addiction
0: Let's go back and talk about Sissy for a little bit. What was she like growing up as a child?
1: Um, I think one of the biggest things I would say is she was a great big sister. Um, within five years we had um, she was our oldest, and within five years we had three children. Um, like I said earlier, she had two younger brothers, and um, she was protective and kind and and loving and um very involved in, in their things. Um, my kids all played sports and sports all year long and we just were always all together. Um, so I would say a great big sister and very family oriented. Um, she was a great kid. She was a great student. Um, I By the time she was getting into junior high, I had started working part-time um, And then again, I went back to work when she was a freshman, but I was able to volunteer every week in her school. And I, I, you know, so I had a really good relationship with all three of their teacher, all three of my kids' teachers. And the teachers loved her at school. She was just that caring, kind, hardworking student. Um, What kind of
0: stuff would you uh, volunteer to do?
1: um, Sometimes I would do um, interventions with the kids, like such as uh, reading with them Um, a lot of times I made the teacher copies. Um, so they'd be prepared for the next week. Um, at our building, they took home stuff every Friday and what was called a Friday folder. So I would, um, help stuff them. It just, whatever the teacher needed done that week is what I would help with.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. She did good in school.
1: She did. She did, um, good all the way through. Um, and at least in my experience with my three children and in talking to a lot of my friends, I think sophomore year, um, was difficult. I think they started treated a little bit more like an adult. And so she didn't do bad by any means, but her, that wasn't her best year. But other than that, um, she was a great student her senior year. She chose to go to, um, the community side, the community college of University of Cincinnati. So she took all of her courses there and was on the dean's list. Um she was set to she was a an athlete. Um she played when she was young she played a couple seasons of um soccer. She cheered for three years. She played softball from five and I think there was a season that she sat out, but other than that, And that was because she played soccer that season. But other than that, she played through her um, senior year. She played volleyball from seventh grade through, let's see, volleyball. She stopped playing her sophomore year um, because she had decided she wanted to play college softball. And she knew that she had to be able to play fall ball. And that interfered with the volleyball season. So she quit playing that then. And she played basketball from the time she was in second grade through 7th grade. So she was a big athlete. Um she was set to play um college softball. Um but at the last minute decided that she didn't want to play soft uh didn't want to go on and continue that at the next level and that she really um the school that she would have gone to was um about 3 hours away and she decided that she wanted to stay home and stay more local and she was because she loved what she was doing her senior year as far as the community college, she wanted to stay home and just go there um, afterwards. Um, She did, but she only went for one quarter after that. So she had a year and a quarter in, and then um, she went to work full time. Um, She was a very hard worker. Um, She had started a career uh, with a, she was in the mortgage industry uh, with a very large bank. Um, by the time she was 21, um, I used to tease her because I went back to work at 37, and she was 21 making more money than I did <laughs> with a master's degree, so I used to tease her, um, but she was really hardworking, very driven, um, compassionate, um, athletic. Uh, she had a smile, um, and and that's what her page name is after her. It was just infectious. Um, She had many different faces of of Devin Ray. Um, Loved to have fun. She had many friends. There was never a time where she was bullied. Um, We didn't have to worry about that. Um, But even in high school, as many friends as she had, whether it was through her sports or in school, um, she hung out with them. Don't get me wrong. But me and her had a relationship we were just best friends and so I would say probably 75 percent of the time maybe that might be a little higher it could be a little low I don't know I'll go with 75 percent she would stay home and and um hang out with me we would go places and and do things together um and then sometimes she would go out with her friends but um she was not a partying type in high school um I'm not naive. I know there was a couple times where she partied and drank with her friends, but it was very far and few between. And I know that mostly because she was with me all the time. Um, so. I don't know.
2: <laughs> so. A great kid.
0: Sure, it sounds like it. Absolutely sounds like it. So did she ever have a job or anything like that? Any responsibilities or?
1: She did. Um, In high school, she was not required to work if she was playing sports. And if she carried a um, B average and higher, Um, I considered school her job at that point. But that wasn't okay for her. She wanted to have a job. So she juggled school, work, and her sports. Um, She was a very hard worker. She started working at... um, I don't know how nationally known it is, but the Beachwater Park, a local amusement park here in Cincinnati when she was um, 15. And I would have to take her back and forth. Um, And then she worked at a couple restaurants as servers. And then she got a job um, right after high school with a local telecommunications company. And um, she worked there for three years. And Learned a lot of skills that was able to land her that job at the bank where um, it really was a career path for her at 21.
2: And
0: what age did she pass away?
1: She was 23. 23.
0: Mm -hmm. So it sounds like she packed a lot of life into the little amount of time she had.
1: She did. She did. Um, she had a lot more to go but she did have a full life and made an impact on a lot of people
0: so what have you done to help yourself once, once you found out she passed away and you had to do everything how do you handle yourself? Because I know that, that must be so difficult, so hard.
1: Um, in the beginning, I did it. I couldn't hardly drag myself out of bed, to be honest with you. It was very, very difficult, and um, I give all my thanks to my husband and my sons, but my husband pretty much had to handle everything for a long time afterwards. Um, but I knew even in those times, that um, the only way that I could deal with her not being here was that God needed her, that God needed her to help save others. And so even in the worst parts of it for me, I began sharing her story um, publicly through Facebook. I never wanted to hide what um, we lost my daughter from, because I don't want it to happen to another young young man or young woman or child. Um, and I don't want another parent to have to go through what me and my husband have gone through this past as of tomorrow will be 18 months. So, um, we, we started getting, um, text messages right at the end. And, um, we are just kind of we don't have proof we just kind of feel like maybe there was um she was getting close to that point where she wanted to get help um and again it wasn't a very long time that she was using but um on Christmas day she passed away on the 29th and on Christmas day I got a text telling me that she loved me and that she was really sorry um and then um she had called her best friend the 27th and had told her that she had really messed up and that she was, um, had not, not been good to her parents and that she was really sorry for that. Um, then that evening she was involved in a seagull car accident and,
2: um, they were on,
1: They wouldn't participate in um, a drug or the, I don't know what you would call it, but the field or any of that. Um, And so they were scheduled to go to court on the 29th, actually. Um, My daughter didn't know that I knew about all of it, uh, but I was getting calls even before the police had actually arrived um, because she was calling uh, another family member, and they didn't know what to do. Um, they so they called me, and um, I'm actually the one that called the police on them. Um, I was we I was hoping me and my husband made the decision together. We were hoping that if the police got involved, that that would be the answer to her having time to step back and realizing what she was doing. And to get time to, you know, even if it was a couple days, um, to get time to get clean, um, to start that process at least. Um, so the, her court date was scheduled for December 29th at 4 o'clock. And me and my husband were just going to go there. Um, and not surprise her in a good way, but to, it, she didn't know that we w- were coming, of course. Um, And we didn't want to go to help her get off of the charges. We wanted to go to support her and try to get her help. Um, But police officers showed up at our door that day at one o'clock. And um, to let us know that she was gone. She had um, been on film. She was at a hotel she had been on film at a little after midnight arriving they were on film at i believe it was 7:30 in the morning um getting coffee and then at 10:41 um 911 was called and so um
2: was 911, huh?
0: Who was it that called 911?
2: Um, it was her boyfriend. Um, and
1: then by the time the police officers got to us, um, and we got to the hospital, they had already taken her body, so we never got to see her until the autopsy had been performed already Uh, and that was difficult I just wanted to hold my baby one more time so that was really hard in fact we're pretty certain that as we were pulling into the hospital parking lot the coroner was pulling out with her
0: and how did you guys proceed from there what what was everything like after that?
1: Um, we did, uh, I did counseling pr- privately and me and my husband both went to, I did, and me and my husband both went to a, um, family or it was, it was really called, um, uh, mothers forever Change, but they knew that I wanted, um, to get my husband into something. And I knew my husband wasn't going to go to something by themselves. So they ended up, um, having letting fathers in. So we would, we were going to a parent group, um, for not, not necessarily, there was several parents that had lost their child to drugs, but there were, um, it was not specific to that. There was, um, natural causes, there was um, a suicide. There was just a lot of different reasons why the the parents had lost their children. But um, like I said, I went to counseling myself and um, I would say, to be honest, it wasn't until work made me get up and get out of bed um, because I hit a very hard depression. But I would say it probably wasn't until just three months ago where I felt like even if I wasn't getting up to go to school, I wanted to get up. Um, it was really, it's really difficult losing a child, no matter what the the reason. Um, and we really felt slided slide or shorted that the time was so quickly of when there was a problem till when she was gone, that we didn't have time to help her. And so that was hard as a parent feeling that you had, um, failed. Um, and I know all parents will feel that way, but, and I know it's not like, there's, there's nothing you can do because it has to be that person, but, um, it was difficult to, to deal with that.
0: So what's life like nowadays
2: for you? Um, pretty
1: normal. Um, we still do everything together. We had our uh, first family photo taken. That was a little hard. But we um, I made a a, collo- or a canvas picture of her. And we held it in the photo. So she was still with us.
0: I saw that photo. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. Thank Appreciate you. It yeah
1: thank you um you just realize every day there's just something and um like I said tomorrow will be 18 months and multiple times a week I will see something and I'll be like oh I gotta tell Sissy about that um and then you get that realization that she's gone all over again um but mostly I just I wanted to share her story because I think for many people, there's a stereotype of who gets involved with, with drugs and um, maybe being naive and thinking it can't happen to them or to their child. And Sissy breaks all of those, those ideas um, like we started out, she was not from a Doris family. She was not abused. She was very close with her family, uh, family and friends. She did well in school. She was an athlete. She was a hard worker. Um, and yet something at some point happened and she tried it for that first time. And I'm not exactly sure when it started. Um, I think someday I will find out, but as close as we were, I did not know. And I, I had confronted her the day that I suspected, but I did not know until early October. And then it was just about two and a half months later that she was gone. And it, it has no boundaries of who it can take. Um, There's no social boundaries or economic boundaries or, um, race boundaries um, it can take anybody and it can take them and even the first time um, I've done a lot of a lot of research by no means am I <laughs> any kind of expert not at all but um, I watched a documentary that stated um, a Graham And if you think of a gram as being the size of like one Splenda packet that we would add to maybe our coffee or something, uh, one gram of fentanyl um, has the possibility of if pure fentanyl has the possibility of getting 1,000 people high, but that same one gram of fentanyl could kill 500 people. And I guess- I guess I didn't mention that. Um fentanyl is what took my daughter's life. Um, we believe that she thought she was taking um uh well she ended up taking tra tra uh tramadol. Tramadol.
0: No, tramadol's right.
1: Yeah, okay. And but it was
2: laced with fentanyl. Um And, um, there were, well, I don't want to get into that, but, um, we don't believe that she knew that it was laced with fentanyl at all. Um, and that's
1: the scary part. Um, all of these drugs, um, they're putting fentanyl in. There's been cases where it's been put in um, just marijuana. Um, I don't believe there's as many, anywhere near as many cases in just marijuana, but they're putting it in a lot of different things. And the tiniest amount um, can affect one person different than the other. And from what I understand in speaking with police officers is um, me and you could take the same batch of fentanyl but because it doesn't mix well with other drugs, I could have more fentanyl in my part than you would have in yours. Um, Again, I'm not a researcher or, but that's just things that I have found out that I have discussed with people or found out in readings um, and watching documentaries and things. Um, And so I just, I want people to realize that Um, they can't be a, it won't happen to me because it definitely can happen to them. It happened to Devin. And if it could happen to her, it can can happen to anybody.
0: Sounds like she was a wonderful, wonderful girl.
1: Thank you. She was, she was.
0: was. And I see that she makes you smile. Talking about her makes you smile, which is great. That's a great thing.
1: She does i love I love talking about her, and all my friends know sometimes I can talk without crying, and sometimes the tears start to come, but um please don't ever stop talking to her about her to me because I love to hear the stories and the memories and the videos and the
2: pictures and I love all of that So
0: let me ask you one last question. Sure. Do you have any advice for people watching or listening?
1: Um, My main advice is to don't ever try it once. You can't even allow yourself to try it once um, because it is so addictive right off the bat that um, it will grab you and take hold of you. And if you are already addicted, get help today get help now. I don't care if you've tried a thousand times before, try again, um, because you never know when you might just get that wrong batch. Um, Just keep trying until you find a rehab that is right for you. And once once you have gone to rehab, I think the biggest part of, of it, not being a user, I understand that I'm projecting here a little bit but get counseling after that stay in meetings stay um don't think that you can do it all on your own um you'll need you'll need people surrounded by you
0: Yeah, it takes a village
1: yes um but i don't think people realize how extremely addictive it it is right away and so the biggest thing i could share is just no matter who you're with or what you're doing, you just can't, you can't try it even for that one party. Um, And then if the the people listening are already on it, please go get help. Um, There are so many resources out there that you can can do um, locally or maybe it's in another state, but get the help that you need um, and don't quit
0: trying. What about advice for parents who have lost somebody?
2: Um, just go one day at a time. Um, I think
1: the, the biggest thing I would say is you can't blame yourself. Um, I know for a fact that everything I have ever done has been for my children. Um and I still second-guessed myself and felt like I had failed somehow, some way. I had to have because I was a mother and this happened. So I think for a parent, I think the biggest thing would be
2: to not blame yourself.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like I said before, I can only imagine, and I would probably feel that way also, even though I shouldn't. I know I probably feel the same way
1: yeah Um, it's a decision that the child makes and there's nothing you can do for them they have to want it themselves and I understand that Um, but it's still hard you still you know like I said everything I did I did for my children and you know I was a stay-at-home mom we we didn't have a lot of income you know but we chose that because that's what we believed in at the time and all of the decisions we ever made was for our kids. And I know that in my heart, Um, but you still like, should I have done this different? Should I have done that different? And when it comes down to it, there's nothing really that I could have done different. Um, It was a one night choice that she made that, um, that I have to accept that, I couldn't have done anything
2: over.
0: Yeah, it must be hard to accept, but it's it's the reality that there was nothing you can do. Uh, like you, like you said before about yourself, I'm no therapist, I'm no psychiatrist or anything like that, a counselor. But I can't say that it wasn't before, because I'm I'm a I'm an addict. The one thing that we learn. For ourselves, just we are responsible for our own choices, nobody else's that's one thing that we have to learn as addicts so yeah, I was once again, to say another time she sounds like a wonderful girl
1: thank you she was she influenced many lives. She was a great person, a great cousin, sister, grandchild um daughter um
2: she was she was our world
1: she is our world (laughs) so
0: did you have anything else you want to add
1: um not that I can think of just I really want to get across the message that it can happen to you so don't live in denial or um, a bubble that you think that these things can't happen to someone like yourself because it can I'm sure that that's what my daughter You know, I believed no way my my children would get into that. Um, No way I would lose my child to a a fentanyl overdose. Um, But it can happen and it can happen to anybody.
0: Well, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thank you. All right. So let's wrap it up here. For everybody watching and listening, if you like what you saw and heard, go below and give us a like. Also, subscribe and you'll see when we upload new videos. And also check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, TikTok. You can also check out our website, which is www.addicts-anonymous.com. You'll find a lot of resources available there as well as some free literature. So that's all I have for today. And until next time.